Welcome to the PKN Podcast, where we give you the wrap on all things packaging. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the PKN Podcast. My name is Grant McCarran, and once again, as ever, I am joined by Lindy Houston, the managing editor and publisher of PKN Magazine, and also the host of this podcast. Lindy, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's sunny here in Sydney, and I'm really excited to be talking to two guys who've come up with a great idea. So we're here in our second season of the PKN podcast, and today we're focusing on single-use plastic pollution in the context of disposable cups used at outdoor events. The statistics grant are sobering. Every year, 500 billion disposable cups are used across the globe, and as we know, many of these end up polluting our waterways. 130 million tons of plastic litters our oceans every year. Australians are a huge contributor to the problem. So two guys who want to help solve the problem are joining us in the studio today, co-founders of social impact enterprise WhatsApp, Carl Page and Martin Salter. They've set up a sustainable circular solution that provides non-plastic reusable alternatives to disposable cups. Welcome, Martin and Carl. We're very happy to have you on the show with us today. Thanks, Lindy. Thank you. Martin, let's start with you. What is WhatsApp? How did it come about? And what was the motivating force behind its establishment? Thank you, Lindy. Uh, well, WhatsApp is an acronym, actually. It stands for War on Single-Use Plastic. And uh, one day, Carl and I used to work together a long time ago, and one day we both decided that we would go to the football because we hadn't seen each other for a while. And I'm an avid Swans fan and Carl uh, barracks for the West Coast Eagles because he's from Perth. And uh, while the West Coast Eagles weren't playing, the Swans were playing Gold Coast. So what we decided to do was to go to the game, uh, have a couple of beers. And while we were there, Carl and I were talking about sustainability and uh, what was happening in each other's lives and the Swans were losing a game they were meant to win. Uh, and uh, it started to become a bloodbath, actually, with Gold Coast. And so we started directing our attention elsewhere and looked at all the plastic cups that were littered on the ground all over the venue. Uh, we were sitting in the member stand and there was just plastic everywhere. And as we started going back to the bar, the worse the Swans played, the more we went back to the bar, the more we <laughs> decided that the amount of plastic that we were going through on the day was terrible. And we started reusing our cups. And at that point, we realised that there must have been a different solution. There must be something that can happen to change this because it really was quite staggering. And as a sport lover, we both are, and Carl's a surfer and he, Carl, surfs a lot overseas and he can tell you about that. But, uh, you know, he has seen firsthand the plastic that you know, impacts places like Indonesia and, and at the time Australia was still sending all our waste overseas. So we started to have a think about this and we did a lot of investigation and research uh, into the problem and you're right, 500 billion cups a year are used and uh, for us that's, a, that's a, an amount of plastic that goes into our oceans, goes into landfill, and we decided to do something about that. Okay, so Carl, do you want to weigh in here and tell us how it all works? Can you explain what your product and service proposition is and 
exactly how this is a more sustainable solution than the current single-use disposable cups? Absolutely. Um, look, at the, just to throw some more stats at you, um, one, of, one, of, um, one of Australia's leading stadiums goes through about 3.5 million plastic cups a year and there's 65 stadiums around the country. So we kind of figured that we're probably looking at around probably around 50 million cups, 50 million plastic cups are used uh, in Australia for events and stadiums alone. Now, we uh, plastic obviously being the, the main concern for us, uh, we went initially went down the path with the company to look at a stainless steel cup, which is a infinitely recyclable uh, graded 304 stainless steel. And then as we sort of dive deeper into this model or into this material, we then decided that aluminium, a recycled aluminium cup was actually going to be a much, much, much better option for us, both cost-wise and also reusability, ease of other councils or ease of recycling of aluminium over stainless, etc. So initially when we started the business, we were looking at a, a, what they call a DRS system, which is a deposit return scheme, which is when you arrive at a game or a festival or an event, you would go to the bar, you would put a deposit down on that cup, and then you would actually use that during the course of the event or during the course of the, the festival or whatever it may be. Now, we've since sort of refined that modelling, and this is going to allow for such ease of use, which is great. And also, as far as yeah, ease of use, it's it's sort of it can be it's potentially going to be those costs will be potentially subsidised by other companies. So we're getting ourselves in a really good space, Marty. Uh, just on that, so when we when we engage with commercial partners, we've taken an approach that no one else has taken. So I guess uh, over the last since we launched in February, uh, basically two thousand and nineteen. We spent that first 12 months refining, developing the product and actually engaging with Marsh insurers, which are the insurers, players insurer for the AFL, uh, because what we wanted to make sure that before we got to venue, the product was safe. Uh, You may remember that in stadiums they used to sell cans. Uh, They went then to um, draft beer with plastic uh, because that was safer. In COVID, Obviously, there's been a huge disruption to events and festivals and, and stadiums. Uh, so that COVID allowed us to work better and communicate more effectively with the venues and uh, stadia, et cetera, who were our target market. So we could then identify the issues that they're faced with, try and create a solution to the issue uh, which was at hand in how to stop plastic. Plastic for venues is very, very cheap. Uh, And what we've learned with sport, sport is very nuanced. There are many different stakeholders who make decisions on the operations of an event and even the venues themselves don't have full control over what is happening in the venue when, say, a Swans or Gold Coast game are playing or a Roosters and uh, Newcastle game are playing. So there are many, many different people involved, including the brewer, the venue, the hirer, et cetera. So for us, we've had to engage with everybody. And from that learning that we've, we've taken, one thing has become clear, and to Carl's point, the DRS or this deposit return system is unlikely to create an impact that everybody wants it to. Uh, and so we have been working on a different model. And if you excuse me, we, we would, don't want to really share that, Lindy, 
on the podcast today <laughs> because no doubt some competitors might be listening. Uh, but, you know, we might keep our powder dry on that. But it is working and we, we believe we have a solution which actually can fix the problem and that is where the product is part of the solution. So the cup is only that part. And what we've identified very, very clearly is that we need a tech link. So you need to provide not just a sustainable solution but a solution which provides a real benefit to the commercial outcome of the venue that we're going into and also the brands that we're going to partner with. Carl, did you want to add anything more to what Martin just spoke about, the, the digital engagement? Because I have some questions around material choice that, that I've got lined up for you. Well, funnily enough, I would actually like to go back to material choice um, because I want to talk about the back-end um, structure that we have around the recycling of the material that we've chosen. So what we've done as a company is we've really tried to uh, involve the community and at the end of a game or at the end of a festival, we have our collection points of the cups where people can put their cups into a bin. That would be an allocated specific bin for Wassa. Now, once those bins are full, we then send them off for sorting and for recycling. So what happens at that point is we're using Disability Services Australia, DSA, to help us with the sorting and the washing of cups. So what will happen at the end of the game, we'll go in and collect. We'll then send our aluminium cups off to uh, to our services to separate the difference between the cups that will be reusable and the cups that will need to be disposed of and recycled. And at that point, once we've done that separation point, we'll then wash the ones that can be reused, which we're expecting to get two, three uses out of the, uh, the cup, providing it's in reasonable condition. The ones that aren't being reused, we'll send off for recycling, of which we've aligned with a, with a partner who will collect our aluminium. They'll collect our aluminium and then it's literally nearly sold off as a commodity where our, our recycling will go to the partner that will give us the most amount of money for that metal at that time. Then at that point, any money that we decide that we do get from that recycling, um, we will then potentially contribute to a charity such as Oz Harvest or the likes of a charity that we decide to align ourselves with. Unfortunately, um, the recycling is done here, but I'm not sure if a lot of your listeners are aware, but a lot of our metal smelting factories have actually been shut down in Australia due to energy costs. So unfortunately, this does need to be sent overseas, mainly because the limited manufacturing that we have within Australia. So we're trying to completely close this loop and, and understand our process of cups from start to finish by incorporating this whole recycle program off the back of it. Carl, so you have told us about how your partners are working to do the recycling um, on their side, but what is your stance as a company about eventually getting to a completely closed loop system? Yeah, Lindy, look, absolutely. Uh, uh, we would love to close that loop. At the moment, we're using 100% recycled aluminium, but we're not sure where that source is coming from. Eventually, we would like to supply our damaged cuts to our factory to then go on and produce with our damaged cups to produce new cups. So then we can completely close that loop at the moment. As I said, we're, we're unsure where our, uh, where our source of recycled aluminium is coming from, though we will, be, we will actually be looking into that and working out where that is. But it, 
beyond that as well, if Australia eventually does decide to pick up the manufacturing um, within Australia and, and we can turn those smelting factories on, what a great, how great it would be to do it all here on, uh, in Australia. But at this stage, we don't really have the manufacturing in Australia to back up the type of production that we need at the cost that we need of that. Well, thanks for that explanation. That certainly makes it clearer. So I think the first step that you're trying to address is really the mass of plastic disposable cups that are being used and that are not finding their way to the right place, that are not finding their way back into recycling. Martin, did you want to comment on that? Yeah, as a, as a business, Lindy, we had an opportunity probably about 13, 14 months ago working with KPMG and the University of New South Wales, uh, Venus Ahadwala's team and the Smart Centre, to apply for a government grant, which is a CRCP grant. And at that time, we were focused on obviously the, the prevention and we were given this opportunity to look at how we can reduce waste as a, and use waste as a resource coming out of landfill. And you may have seen um, there was a story on the ABC the other night on this product. But unfortunately, we were, we were given the grant, but we decided not to proceed with it uh, because we were focused on prevention. And we see WhatsApp as a business that can really help that. We understand that landfill is a limited resource. So when councils try to go to market to increase the amount of landfill size, quite often at the moment they're getting rejected by the community and that's, that's understandable of the community to have that uh, take that line. But what we want to do is try and reduce that because every bit of plastic that we stop going to landfill increases the life cycle of landfill itself. So in our conversations in identifying the application for this grant, we knew that 5% reduction of plastic in landfill increased the life of the landfill site by about 5 to 10 years. And in the scheme of cost-benefit, we decided actually we were just going to focus on this prevention. But notwithstanding that, we would look at WhatsApp as being a holistic company uh, to grow, to look at many different issues pertaining to waste and using waste as a resource. So the question that I have now is around who you are servicing. So you have mentioned that it's venues. Is it just venues? And also what interest have you had from the target market? So we, because of COVID, obviously the uptake and the ability for content and festivals and events to start have been significantly limited. Uh, People think that we're absolutely crazy to start a business like this during COVID, but I always remind them companies such as WhatsApp and others all started during the GFC. (laughs) So it may not necessarily be such a bad thing. The good thing is, is that people are much more interested in, in sustainability as we're coming out of this pandemic. And it's allowed us to really focus in on our target audience, which is a number of categories, which, as you say, is we've got commercial categories, which are sport and venue, uh, festivals, events, music. We have also retail and we're talking to corporations about looking at the way they have shared cups within their offices to try and look at how we can have personal cups as we go back to work and we're talking to businesses to to provide solutions 
in the corporate environment. Um, yeah, so we're looking at corporate branding, merchandise. We're talking to companies about gift with purchase in venue. So we're not just looking at the one category. Our product is quite diverse and we see many different uh, applications for it. We've even developed what we call WhatsApp Air, uh, looking to target benefits in the aviation market as well. So, Carl, did you want to add to that? Yeah, look, I did. Um, we, uh, we also met with the Queensland Government just recently um, and they're implementing some single-use bans as of 1st of September this year. Uh, which is really, really, really great for us because uh, those single-use bans will be your cutlery, your plastic plates, your this and your that. And for us to now go in there and potentially offer them this option with our ALU cup, it's huge, huge for them and huge for us. Uh, at the same time, Coles also um, have recently just uh, just announced that uh, that they're going to be um, also banning the sale of certain single-use plastic products within their supermarket chain as well. So, again, it, it, it's allowing us to, to sort of, you know, to, to provide that solution for single-use plastic through a different material. And I think, to Carl's point, what we're trying to do is show that we're building a business across many different uh, segments and many different categories to solve this problem. And you could consider it to be part of moonshot thinking where you, where you have to be brave to fix a, a problem which may seem just insurmountable. But this is a problem that both Carl and I have committed our last couple of years and, and obviously our, our future on trying to solve. And certainly just in Australia, it's our little fish pond, but the world is a big place. And to that point, when we set up the company, we've trademarked WhatsApp everywhere. We're, we've trademarked in the UK, Europe, US, China, South Africa, uh, New Zealand, and, of course, Australia. <laughs> but uh, it is our goal to be able to do that. And we have the business behind the company and the people that we have involved is phenomenal. And our, our board is actually set up with people who absolutely know what they're talking about. Carl is our, our sustainability expert. There's no question in that. Uh, I've had I've had a lot of experience in tech and commercial and working uh, in built environments. Um, other partner Edward Abbott has spent twenty years in stadium infrastructure and advertising and media. Uh, he also comes from very much a finance background. We have board advisories that are very very experienced in sport admin. Um, Andy Marinos, who is now the CEO of Rugby Australia. Uh, he's been involved as our board advisory for, for quite some time uh, and very exciting for Andy to be given that role over Christmas. And we have Kate Joseph, who is very, very well known in e-commerce and fashion retail and actually was part of the marketing team that helped start Afterpay. So we're very confident in our management team. Uh, we have amazing people wanting to be involved with us because they know we're not just focused on a little small section. We're focused on the broader issue and it's the broader issue which we believe we can fix. And as I understand it, part of your solution, and you did allude to that earlier, um, is the use of some intelligent technology. So we are finding that in packaging, 
the use of smart packaging, intelligent packaging, as we call it, is definitely on the rise as a topic we're covering extensively. And I was interested to see that you have established a digital platform with Bluetooth and um, RFID connectivity and QR code payment systems and so on, all delivering enhanced usage data for your commercial partners. So either one of you, I'm not sure who's best placed to discuss this. Could you tell us which products this relates to and how this works in simple terms? Marty, you can kick in here. You want me to go? <laughs> Thanks, Lindy. Yeah, and look, to my point earlier, I, I, I think I said that we needed to consider what else we could do in venue because providing a cup and is not just the going to fix the problem. What we needed to do is to provide uh, data behind it and to provide uh, a solution which spread out from the cup, so to speak. So we've developed fan engagement products uh, which are suited for in-venue, which are lights which attach to the cup, whether that be the stainless steel cup or the, or the aluminium, which have Bluetooth connectivity. And this Bluetooth connectivity allows us in-venue to create real excitement during games, uh, state of origin, if you can imagine, you're a Biloxi Blues, you're down one end of the field and, you know, they score a try and your cup lights up blue and during COVID or for whatever reason you can't make the game and you're watching it on the telly, your cup will light up blue. So it makes you feel like you're part of the action. And you may remember the Boonie doll. So it kind of works on the same technology as Boonie when you used to sit on your telly and go, nice shot. So that kind of thing is what we use. So we tie that in and then that allows us to start thinking about how we can create this better customer engagement in venue. And as a brand, how do people, how do people then start working, uh, well, not working with us, but engaging with our brand, what's up, to help try and solve the problem with us as a community. And that is the fan engagement link but the really exciting thing is that during COVID, QR codes became ubiquitous. Before then, people were going, oh, I don't, we, we, I'm from the advertising industry myself. We all wrote off QR codes about three or four years ago. We said it's not going to work. Uh, but now, even in February last year, we were in conversations about how are we going to, with a deposit return system, when, as Carl said earlier, how are we going to go back with a truckload of $1 coins? How are we going to protect a truckload of $1 coins at the exit of the SEG? You know, and it just became, it just became an impossible problem. But at the end of the day, we needed to find a contactless solution and the QR code experience because of COVID actually allowed us to provide a, a solution which could work. And part of the feedback we had from venues was we can't do this at the bar where already people are paying decent amounts for their drinks. So we wanted to take this away from the bar. And the way we went about that was actually creating a QR code payment system with our retail partner who's called Pico. And they've been absolutely amazing. Pico Tech are brilliant. Um, and they've helped us deliver a solution which can then create a contactless model for even if we are going to DRS system in a festival, you can just show your phone or, or, or pay for it in another way, which I'm not disclosing <laughs> over the podcast. And, uh, and, then, uh, and then basically you add your receipt to Passbook and then that receipt to Passbook is linked to your payment system, our payment system, and you can return 
and rent as you see fit. Uh, that allows us to create a database of our customers, which we can then use with our partners and sponsors and everything to create this model for um, as less impact to the end user as possible uh, and helps pay for our, um, obviously, our, our product and, and solutions going in market. Would you use any of this um, with this QR code or this kind of connectivity to relay or reinforce your sustainability message? Yes. So the ability, the great thing about this is, is that the ability we have with the tech is that we can send a text message to people while they're in venue, reinforcing that message. And what we're finding is that with venues, if they they currently pay quite a lot of money, about 11, 12 cents for plastic cups. Now, what we are saying to a lot of our venues is we can start providing this data back to give you a performance optimization in venue. Uh, we can look at supporting your partners through sales promotions or even promoting helping your brewers. So we're always providing that value back to the user who's participating in our system. As far as our communication, we want to make sure that all the communication we're doing is reinforcing the message that we are, what you are doing is you're participating in the reduction of single-use plastic and protecting our waste problem in Australia and overseas and are contributing in a very, very good way to solving that problem. Well, it sounds like you've got it all sorted in terms of the business plan. But, Carl, what is the rollout plan now really on the ground for WhatsApp here in Australia and then potentially in other markets where you have registered WhatsApp? Yeah, so, uh, look, in Australia, we've, uh, we're looking, we're chatting with a couple of stadiums at the moment to run trials within these stadiums, uh, which is hopefully looking at maybe uh, mid this year, May to June. We're, we're pretty much geared and uh, all ready to go there. We're also um, uh, joining up with one of our partners is, is also heavily involved in the music industry. And we're looking to go down that path of the festivals, which is great. Uh, but again, COVID's sort of restricting us a little bit with that. Um, but look, we, we, we really, one thing that COVID has done is allow us to align with some people and really sort of extend our runway to, to launch. And we're in a really, really good space for that. As far as rolling out across other countries, we have some serious interest in the UK and we've actually registered uh, what's up in the UK? Uh, we've got another interest uh, heavily in the uh, in the US as well, uh, which is obviously where we're registered as well. So look, we do have big plans beyond Australia, but you know, uh, an Aussie, a little Aussie startup, you know, we'd be mad not to start anywhere else but here. And and we think we're sort of going to get the support that we need as well. Well, Australia is obviously the ideal test market for anything. We only need to look at the Share a Coke campaign and and the success of that when it first rolled out here, and then just. Um, exploded globally um, and is still on the go for that matter. Yeah, and and sorry, and, and Lindy, with that as well, I'm going to say the, the consumer is so ready for this. I'm going to say single-use plastic is banned across at the moment, you know, 110, 120 cities, countries all around the world. And the take-up we had of the general, you know, the general public when plastic bags were banned, it was, it was taken up so quickly and quite effortlessly as well. And now you nearly look, you know, if you walk out of a supermarket now with a plastic bag, people really tend to frown at you if you don't go there prepared. So we really feel as if people are really ready for this and, and they're prepared to go that extra yard and provide a sustainable solution if there's the option. And we do provide that option for people. 
Yeah, well, I think that's the key is, uh, and as we saw in the plastic bag case, is that when you present consumers with a solution, mm. that they just have to make the choice easy. It isn't a choice. There is no more single-use plastic cup. There is this cup, and you want beer. There you are. And, Lindy, that, that's exactly what the venues say. You can't – people have asked us, why don't you do plastic and your product? It's not going to happen. So the venues have to take a stance and they have to say, you know what, we're getting behind this. We understand legislation is coming. And to do that, we need to be prepared for the moment where plastic is cut off and plastic will be cut off. Well, I'm very excited about this. You must have been pretty uh, pleased to hear uh, the possibility of Brisbane getting the Olympic Games um, the other day. So uh, yesterday's announcement that would be, can you imagine... I'm seeing WhatsApp cups everywhere. That's that's you know, and I'm hearing the chip <laughs> So yeah. um, thanks, guys, for joining us. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for joining us today. Uh, I think that Grant, as a footy fan, I think you'd agree that this is a good idea. Well, yeah, Lindy. I mean, I'm really looking forward to seeing how this goes. I, I have been at various sports stadiums and seen the single-use plastic refuse at the end and being a little sad. So I've, I've, I can share we the uh, incentive to form this whole WhatsApp has come from, and I'm very much looking forward to seeing what the future holds. Thanks again, Carl. Thank you, Martin, for joining us. And uh, we look forward to covering the story on PKN as it evolves. So do keep us posted. Thank you, Lindy. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Lindy. Thanks, Grant. Well, ladies and gentlemen, another interesting uh, discussion here on the PKN podcast and uh, signs of what's to come in the future. Uh, once again, something very exciting to keep our eyes on. And we'll be back in the not too distant future with more interesting topics and conversations. And until then, we'll catch you later. You've been listening to the PKN podcast, produced by Southern Skies Media on behalf of PKN Packaging News, owned and published by Yaffa Media. The views of the people featured on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of PKN Packaging News, Yaffa Media, or the guest's employer. The contents are copyright by Yaffa Media. If you wish to use any of this podcast's audio, please contact us via the website or send an email to editor at packagingnews.com.au. You can subscribe to this podcast via your preferred platform and read all the latest news on Australia's packaging industry at packagingnews.com.au. You've been listening to a Yappa Media Podcast.